and welcome to the series finale of Unconventional. Here at Unconventional we like to break down the stigma surrounding not going to university and prove you can be successful by doing something unconventional. I'm Neve Gordon-Farley and we have had a whole range of guests from journalists Emma Bentley, Georgia Cohn and Abby Dewhurst to YouTuber Molly Thompson, the dancing queen herself Steph Parry, my friends Izzy Radford, Alexa Rendell and Bethany Collins and even my dad, Robin Gordon-Farley. In this eight-part series, we've discussed alternative routes to going to university. We've talked about apprenticeships, dropping out of university, going to drama school and working your way up within the industry. For today's episode, I wanted to reflect on the series and share some of our best bits. Throughout the series, I've posed a number of questions to my guests, including hearing what some of our guests wanted to be when they grew up. I wanted to be an author uh, because I loved reading and I loved writing and I wanted to be an author. I mean, there was one day I decided everyone else wanted to be like vets because they loved animals and things. So one day I was like, you know what, I'm going to be a vet. And my mum was like, you know, that means you have to stick your hand up a cow's bum. And I was like, okay. Maybe not. And I, do, I really I really don't like animals. Like, I really don't like animals. I'm the only person in the world that thinks that. So to be a vet would be strange. But my, my one author slash comedian, but author was really what I wanted to do. I wanted to do pretty much everything. I went through so many phases. I originally wanted to be a weather lady. That was my first thing I ever wanted to be. Very bizarre. Don't know where that came from. Um, then I wanted to be a teacher soon scrapped that when I realised that I'm not the best of children um and then a little bit more related to what I do now I wanted to do like fashion design then I wanted to do interior design then I wanted to do media and journalism then I wanted to do like photography I've really gone through a lot of different things but it's kind of always been in something creative since I was about 12 or 13. I think I always wanted to work in radio and I always think that I wanted to be a uh, a journalist because I remember being I don't know how old I must have been maybe like six or seven and my mum had brought a cassette recorder so like the old school cassette recorders that you go around like recording little sort of snippets of it bits and putting it on a cassette tape um so I nicked that basically and I used to go around and record little interviews with like members of my family or um sometimes I record uh interviews for my guinea pig and obviously he didn't have a lot to say but it was you know an engaging interview and uh I would do these little like radio shows with my brother where we would act out kind of um, songs and we would do kind of little little bits and bobs that basically we try and create our own little radio shows and I think that that was something that I was always interested in from a very early age. I don't think I realised just how much I wanted to do it until I was probably about 15, 16 and that was the moment where I had to start thinking about what subjects I was going to take. So that was the moment I had to think about what subjects I was going to take in school and where I wanted to be basically what job I wanted to do when I left school and so journalism for me seemed really like it seemed like a really interesting thing and I wanted to get involved in it and um, I remember specifically kind of being 15 16 and loving Louis Frew and Stacey Dooley like they're still my heroes today but I remember being completely obsessed with Louis Farouk to the point where it wasn't even natural and um, I'm still very much obsessed with him. My dog is named Louis after Louis Farouk. Well, what did I want to be? So I think I probably, 
I think there was a couple of things I wanted to be. Um, I think I never really felt, I didn't have that burning thing where I was like, you know, from early on, I want to be doing job X or job Y. But I, so I, take, so I can tell you some of the jobs I, I, I thought, thought about. Um, so when, when I was at secondary school and I was having to, you know, you have to do your work experience. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I didn't have a clue. And I remember I, I did, so I did work experience at two different places. One, one was an estate agent's. Um, now, the one thing I did know is I didn't want to be an estate agent. But anyway, but I did a work experience at the estate agent. So I, put, I spent a lot of my time sticking the little photos of houses onto pieces of paper. That was fun. Not. Um, and then the other place I did work experience, which is really cool, actually, was an architect's. So I, 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 was, interested in a, I was interested in, you know, becoming an architect or... Or anything, or something like that. But uh, so that there was there was that. But probably, um, and probably this now leads more to there is more relevance to what I've been doing over my career. But um, I, I was interested in journalism, and um, and probably you know a few jump a few years from doing my my work experience. And um, I remember that we at school we were doing. It was like one of these national programs or something about, you know, um, it was like doing a school newspaper so, uh, for a day or something like that. And I re remember working on that and, it, and um, we, all, we all had to sort of run away and go and do, find some, some kind of stories to go in our school newspaper for that day. And by chance, uh, a helicopter landed on our school playing field. And so I sort of instantly grabbed a camera and I went running to the school field and took photos of the helicopter. It was like an air ambulance that was landing. Um, and it was linked to, linked to something, something that had happened in the, the little town in Wales where, where I was living. And, um, and then I remember, I remember thinking, oh, wow, that's my story for the school paper. You know, this, this air ambulance has landed on our school playing fields. And then, and then I thought, so then I actually thought it would be a good idea to go to, to um, it was actually to, to, to speak to some journalists. So who were, it was the, the, one of the local papers, which was the Shropshire Star. And I remember walking into their offices and explaining what, what had happened and that I had got, I'd got some photos. So anyway, they were interested in the photos and they ran the photos because um, it, it actually linked to a bigger story of something, something quite horrible that happened in town. And, um, and then following from that, um, the, the reporter um, invited me to come and do work experience and sort of some more ongoing experience. So I, in the end, I got to write, write in the Shropshire Star for a while. And that's, that, I suppose that's really spurred me on in terms of like, liking the idea of journalism. It was being creative. It was, I liked, you know, and I still do, I mean, I, I do it now in my job now, but you know, quite like writing. We love an unconventional route, so it was only right that I asked my guests how they got into the industry that they're in today. Now, it might not surprise you that some of my guests didn't start where they are now. Ended up going to university, as I say, really wasn't enjoying it, um, felt really isolated and really alone and just was miserable, really. So ended up dropping out after a year and if I'm honest with you, was devastated because I knew or I thought at that point, there's no way that I'm going to become a journalist. That's it. That was my, my thought process was I've just wiped that option 
out because how can you be a journalist if you don't have a degree? That For no particular tangible reason as well, people would say, and people wouldn't really understand, they'd be like, well, why don't you like it? What's wrong, you know? And, and I just didn't have the answer for them. I really didn't have a solid answer and that was so hard for people to understand. And actually I have a friend who went to uni after a gap year and found it a little bit hard at the beginning and, and said to me, you know, I really didn't understand you back then. I didn't know what you were talking about. I thought you were being really dramatic, but actually I feel the same way. And so it's something that's really hard to explain unless you experience it. But yeah, I had, to, and I had some, like two lovely, lovely friends there who I still am in contact with who are still there you know I was doing lots of societies I think I did about five societies I was playing netball in like the sixth sixth or whatever you call them the sixth team and so I was actually getting involved and I don't think you could have told me I wasn't doing enough you know I really gave it a good old go but I remember the first uh, the first morning I woke up and I said to my friend god this isn't for me and she was like it's been less than 24 hours can you please not be so dramatic so I did end up staying but I yeah I only lasted six weeks I mean it was awful I had a really bad time um a really awful time and I I always have to reprimand myself if I start to sugarcoat it and go oh well you know it wasn't that bad because I have to remember what it was like and it was actually awful I, I was really really upset so I always try and think you know I need to remember this and not it's so easy to be like oh I left because of the course oh yeah it was a course it was a course I left it, it was a course I, I was fine I loved it I just left because of the course and that's not true I really didn't enjoy it so I always think it's important to actually say that and rather than being all oh yeah it was this it was this because we should be really honest not very stereotypical to be fair uh, so I'd, I'd applied for university, I got in and I uh, deferred it for a year because I knew that I didn't want to go, certainly not straight away because I just didn't know. And I thought, look, what's the rush? Put it back a year. And then if, if I get 10 months into this, whatever experience I'm going to call it and realise I've made a mistake, at least I can still go. So I did get in, I did defer it. And in that time, I was just looking at getting other jobs. Like I said, there were some really, really good entry level opportunities at the time. And the best ones I found were at Channel 4. So they run a, a thing called 4Talent and that's like their careers. Um, and I think Channel 4, as a young person, in terms of like the, the main sort of three broadcasters, well, or four, if you're going to do BBC, ITV, Channel 4, and then potentially Channel 5, I always used to think that Channel 4 was like the most creative. It had E4 and it was like aimed at young people for music, all these really cool, like funky brands, which as a young person... I just really, I saw myself in a brand like Channel 4. So I applied for a couple of their apprenticeships just in, gosh, the most random stuff because I didn't really, I didn't know about the industry. I didn't even know what any of these jobs were. I think the first one that I went for um, was like a production assistant or something. I had no idea what that even was, but it sounded exciting. So I applied for that and just, I was applying for quite a few random things. Some of them were back in Lincolnshire, some of them weren't. And I got an interview, I got like shortlisted for an interview for that. And that for me was the first moment where I thought, oh my God, I think I could actually do this. I could actually work in the industry. I wasn't just chasing this ridiculous pipe dream. Um, and so I researched everything that I could about being a production assistant. I remember going into school and being like, who could I even speak to? And I went to speak to my graphics teacher because he seemed like the most creative man I knew. <laughs> we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a TV studio, we didn't have a radio station, we didn't have anything like that anywhere near us. 
and he was actually really helpful he went to the library for me and got me a few books on um how a tv program is made i had no i had no clue and um and it kind of discussed the production assistant's role and what what kind of things would be expected of them and i remember i had to put a presentation together on um oh what was it it was it was what um just like basically talk to us about a program that has a really good production value and knowing nothing about the industry i was like what does that even mean and so he really helped me break the bones down of that and i think what did i end up, i ended up doing it about max and paddy's road to nowhere that thing with ptk and um and paddy mcginnis because oh, so random but i remember basically what i ended up talking about was um was like a good production value means you know like a cutaway is really seamless and it's things like that I didn't know what I was talking about, but I researched it and researched it and researched it and put this presentation together. And the Channel 4 assessment scheme is so brutal. It's like the X Factor. I think there's 12 of you that get shortlisted. You do the first couple of things of the day and then you get like broken up and it's, will Abby please step forward? Will Neist please step forward? You have made it through to the next stage. The rest of you can now go home. It's honestly savage. So it was this emotional roller coaster of a day and I ended up making it down for the last two. I could not believe it. At this point, I was still at school. I had this amazing, this dream of obviously moving to London and working for Channel 4 and I could not believe I was down to the last two. Didn't get the job, obviously. Um, but yeah, for me, that was the big old, that was the biggest, that was probably the big deciding factor for me to be like, bloody go for this because if you got that close knowing so little imagine what you can do when you really start investing um some more time and energy into this because my, that, my feedback at the end was you just didn't have enough experience obviously i didn't know i didn't have any so that was like that was the first little foot in the door if you like and then you know i made some contacts from that day and kept in touch with them and i think i ended up going for something stupid like four or five more of those assessment days at channel four and i got down to the last two in every single one so that one was for an apprenticeship then i did an internship one and then they hired this crew because they put on these days every year called four talent days which is where you go to say birmingham or london or manchester uh, i think they even have one in lincoln and all of these industry professionals get together and give talks and you do workshops and it just looks really good like on your cv it looks great and they did these days anyway and they hired a crew of people to film the days so that if anybody couldn't attend them they could then broadcast them on youtube and so yeah the last couple of jobs that i went for were for a presenter for this crew that they were hiring um and like i said the assessment days are so they were so savage and to do like five of them and still not get the job i was so Oh, it's just, it's really difficult because it's hard to be downbeat when you're getting so close. You know you're doing something right, but also then to never get the job. Um, and every time it would cost me so much money to get from Lincolnshire to London. And sometimes I'd stay the night before in a hotel and things. But to get that close every time, like it was dangling the bait right in front of me. And I thought, I am not giving up on this. But in the meantime, that was probably over the space of like two years getting all those um all those interviews so in the meantime I had I had to get a job I was living at home um but I still had to ha have a job and pay my way and whatever so I got a job in a, a local solicitors firm in the debt recovery department 
so the reason why I was a doctor's receptionist, because my dad worked in the doctor's surgery. <laughs> so my dad was, I think at this point, my dad was practice manager of the local doctor's surgery. So I, it, it started as like a summer job where I did a bit of like, um, did a bit of filing for them. And then there was an opening for a part-time receptionist. And so it just became this natural progression that, that I got this job and I was like, okay, great. I've got, I've got a full-time job. That's, that's what we strive to get is a full-time job. Um, and, and I've got it. So winning. Um, and, and then I must've been there for about eight months and, and I wasn't, I knew, I knew that something wasn't right. I could just feel it. I could just feel that I wasn't fulfilled and this wasn't where I was like meant to be. And I just have this memory of filing away a file on one day and just having this feeling of what am I doing? <laughs> what am I actually doing right now? Because is this it? And it was like, is this it? Is this, is this my life? And then it just so happened that I had the afternoon off and I went to my friend's house and she had the stage newspaper in her, in her bedroom um because that's what we used to do we used to buy the stage I don't know why I mean to be honest with you I used to buy the stage newspaper see that they were looking for a singer for something and then I'd send I'd send the worst backing track or like the worst track a tape cassette of me in a jiffy envelope like I never used to hear anything apart from this one guy who rang me and I had to sing what a feeling down the phone so god knows what that was an audition for my mum was like, what are you doing? In the kitchen, me going, what a feeling. I mean, the fight was stupid. Um, but yeah, so uh, we, I, I looked at the stage and I was looking at drama schools and I remember just looking at it and being like, and then I went home and I, pho I remember phoning Italia Conti and I think, I, phoned, I think it was Italia Conti and Art Ed. They were the two that I just rang and I just was like, please can you send me a prospectus? Um, and then, and then my mom was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting a prospectus for drama school. And that was the start. That was the start of it. Even though our guests didn't have the most stereotypical route into the industry, they have done some incredible things. So it was only right to ask them what some of their career highlights were. Also, I love how casually you dropped into that conversation you know you you know when you met Kate and you did some filming in a women's prison <laughs> with her is there anyone that you have met I don't know if you get phased by now but is there anyone that you have met that you've kind of had that little fangirl moment that you've got quite excited to meet them mm, well <laughs> there's one occasion you know so I like to set the scene so David Attenborough chilled he was quite cool not that phased um William and Kate filming quite a lot not phased just just they're just people um yeah you know some like we did a junket of this film i've forgotten what the guy's called it's like some hollywood actor and i had no idea who he was anyway um chris oh, i can't remember massive guy really big guy very pleasant anyway so that was all chills and then i was on college green and Fiona Bruce came up to do the 10 o'clock news. And I cannot tell you, I went to bits. I couldn't speak. I couldn't even introduce myself to her for 20 minutes. I was just like, oh, my God, it's Fiona. I was nearly crying. I was like, oh, nobody had given me any warning. I was like, oh, my God, it's Fiona. <clears throat> and I was on the main camera. So, you know, this was like the moment of my life. 
Um, you bet that went on the top of my showreel. Uh, yeah, I was just, you know, a bit starstruck. But, I mean, I'd say we're cool now, but I haven't been able to speak to her since because she's just, she's just godly, isn't she? Okay, I think a really obvious standout moment is the day that I ran down the road from 42nd Street to Mamma Mia. So that has to be, I mean, um, yeah, so a moment, a moment in time that I could never imagine would have happened. I remember getting 42nd Street and um, and knowing the story about, did you know the story about Catherine Zeta-Jones? She was 42nd Street um, in the original cast in the 80s and she was understudy Peggy Sawyer um, and I can't remember what happened, but she, she was on and a producer saw her um, and I think she then got the role of Peggy. So it's quite a famous story of Catherine Zeta-Jones being an understudy and, you know, taking over. And I remember when I got the job and thinking like, oh, 42nd Street, that's where magic happens. And I remember having that, that weird thought. And then, you know, never in a million years thinking that something like that would happen to me when I'm there and it to happen, you know, relating to another show. Um, so if you don't know the story, then I was in 42nd Street in the dressing room and I got a phone call from Mamma Mia uh, where the girl playing Donna had sustained an injury um, and they asked me to go around there and take over the role of Donna with a very, very small amount of time. Um, basically the show had stopped for 18 minutes and in that time they'd called me, got me down there in costume and got me on the stage. So that was, and, and the way it blew up afterwards as well was, you know, I was being interviewed, like, I remember, I remember getting a, message from Jason Manford being like please can you come and appear on Absolute Radio I'd love to talk to you because you're our legend of the week and um and it just being I don't know I guess a moment where I just was like oh wow this is really fun um and I really I really enjoyed it I, I enjoyed doing all the press and you know uh, we need you to go to BBC Radio today and things and I I, I personally like just just found it to be a bit of a fun ride and because I, I knew as well I think that it it wouldn't last for a long time it would just be it would be old news very soon so I kind of rode the wave and and really enjoyed it um and then from that they then you know getting the role of Dorothy for a couple of months and and having you know being the one in the number one dressing room and having my name and having a program which said the part and it was my face above it rather than you know it and having my picture out there's just just things like that that I think that, that yeah, there's just you, there's that part of you that wants those things you know it's so great I, I love just to work but there's just little perks I think that you get um which are just a really enjoyable. Like as somebody who, who's worked for however many years and has, you know, the I don't know the goals that you have. You just they're just little they're just little um, uh, like points, I guess, that you just go, oh, that's really cool, and I love that, and and that's yeah, makes me feel all warm and fuzzy, and I love that, yeah. So I think that's probably, that's definitely, it's got to be, and it'll always be a career highlight. I think whatever happens in my career and somebody says, what are your career highlights? Then 
that's always going to be a, a big moment I, I feel for me and hopefully there'll be many more highlights in the future that I can talk about um and booking my first TV job, that was a massive career highlight as well, because it's something that I've been wanting for a long, long time. Right, so I was writing for my local newspaper and um, and that was, that was for me, it was a great experience all around because Grimsby, which is the little town that I'm from, um, I felt like young people at the time were getting such bad press. Every single thing that happened, graffiti, a break-in, a burglary, was a young person to blame. Litter on the beach, young people are, young people are to blame. It was ridiculous. And um, so, you know, because of that, I, I felt like it, the word youth, youths, that was used a lot. And I just felt like, am I a youth? Am I one of these people that is breaking the law every single day? Like, no, I'm not. There are actually young people doing quite good things in the area. So that was like a scheme that was set up by, you know, a few young people like me. Um, you know, some of them were, were quite political and they wanted their young views to be heard. And, you know, they were on like youth councils and things like that. That wasn't necessarily where I was coming from. I was looking at it from, hang on a minute, I'm not going to sit here and read my local newspaper or have my mum read the local newspaper explaining all the rubbish stuff when nobody's there to, to stand up for us. So that was kind of where I was coming from it, from with it. And plus, it was amazing experience, amazing first bit of journalism experience for me to get some of my articles printed. It was about like the most random things you could write about anything. And it was one little section of the newspaper that they'd filled twice a week. So it was free content for them. And we'd all get together and discuss our ideas. And we'd read each other's articles and critique it and things. And I also met, you know, loads of different young people doing it. Um, and the woman from the local council that had helped us set that scheme up, we didn't have a clue about this, but had nominated us for one of these Diana Awards, which I'd never heard of, the Diana Awards at the time. And I just one day in the post, this certificate came through the door. And I opened it and was like, what on earth is it? And it had, yeah, it had an invitation to go and look around Althorpe, which is um, Princess Diana's family home, which had at the time this amazing memorial to her life with her dresses. And it had a poem that her brother had read out at her funeral and just loads of stuff about her. And she'd always been somebody that kind of fascinated me anyway. Um, so I remember I went with my mum to Althorpe and we did this tour. And, you know, it was, it was exciting that, that I'd won this award, but I still didn't really know that much about it. And then I think they emailed me. There was a tick box situation where I filled in some feedback about the award and the experience. And it said, do you want to be included in further opportunities? And I, like I said, I'd done a bit of research and as wonderful as the award looked, most of the people volunteering with them or doing the, the classes and things that they ran were, were young, were like at 10, 11, maybe, I think it even said it went up to 16. And at the time I was 18. And so I ticked no, because I, I thought, I, don't, I feel like I, it's a bit, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was, if it would just be lots of young people doing things. So yeah, tick no. But then they ended up using a couple of my articles because I then wrote about the fact that we got the Diana Award and through that managed to then get connected with the team, which was such a godsend because I don't think I realised what opportunities I potentially passed up by ticking the no box. And this leads on to another piece of, of advice I was given very early on, which is say yes to everything. Every opportunity that anybody can offer you, say yes, because why would you say no? Unless you're rushed off your feet and you can't fit it in, just say yes. You know, if the, if the alternative is sat at home doing nothing, 
then absolutely do it. You never ever know where it might lead. And that was a prime example of where I'd said no. And all of those doors could have been closed to me had this, you know, the situation not presented itself of was reconnecting. So they ended up doing these amazing days called Inspire Days, where they have, again, lots of industry experts and you, you just meet amazing people and hear stories of, of young people that have done amazing things. You cannot help but leave feeling incredibly inspired and also incredibly proud that you've also won an award alongside these people. And I'm going to say meeting Barack Obama. Yeah. Mm. Not only meeting him, I got to shake his hand and yeah, yeah, of course course i mean he was like a rock star coming to town you know so barack obama is the president of the united states and the first lady michelle obama um that was definitely you know a sort of key highlight um uh, i suppose a key key highlight was also meeting the, the queen um uh and getting to talk to her um so which I was completely terrified about, um, you know, and I, I, I'm, I was sort of one of five people that got picked out to talk to the Queen. And, and so I had David Cameron in, introducing me, you know, David Cameron, who's the Prime Minister at the time, introducing me to the Queen going and, you know, and this is, this is Robin Gordon Farley. He's one of the most important people in Downing Street, you know, ha, ha, ha. And I was literally like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. It's literally the queen, and now I've got to talk to her. Um, I was completely terrified because there's so much, so much royal protocol you have to follow in terms of what you have to say and things like that. But I suppose that's a highlight. I mean, that's a sort of you don't not every day you get to meet the queen. Um, I don't know. I think I think other highlights. I mean, there's there's definitely highlights about meeting interesting people. Um, mm. uh, you know, and, and all sorts of people. You know, meeting. Gordon Ramsay one day, you know, or, you know, it's just lots of, so from a sort of meeting lots of people, but, but then there's also, there's also, I would suppose, um, the highlights for me is, you know, having worked with some of the people that I've worked with, you know, who aren't famous, um, who aren't celebrities or anything like that, but they, they are inspiring because of, you know, how, how smart they are, how hard they work, um, and, you know, and I suppose in terms of what they achieve and, you know, and, um, you know, one of those people you've met, you know, when you came to Downing Street, because mm. know, we, it was Conrad. And yeah. Conrad Bird, who, who was at the time running the running the the great campaign. And, you know, Conrad, I, I've, he, he's an inspiring person to me. And, um, you know, and, and certainly other people. And Alex Aiken, who... Um, who uh, you know is the executive director of government communication in the UK, and you know there's lots of lots of different people that I've been really fortunate to have worked with who have been really inspiring. Um, but to be honest, there's also I suppose highlights are just walking through the when I you know just walking through the door every day mm. to go into Downing Street, you know, and and doing things like that, and just and I suppose feeling for me, I've always felt like I I was. I was sort of doing something for my country, which probably sounds a bit, a bit uh, grandiose of a little bit, but it's a sort of, it's sort of, you know, sort of bit what I felt, you know, was I'm doing something, you know, that, that not many people, I was the second person to do that job and since 1997 and, you know, and I put my heart and soul and like I said, it was a bit of a lifestyle. And so, you know, hopefully I made a positive difference and hopefully, you know, what I did 
you know, contributed to something bigger. Of course, we couldn't end the series without reminding ourselves of our guests' answers to the big final question. Now, this big question has been phrased, it's been asked in a variety of different ways, but what do you know now that you wish you'd known at 18? Oh, that's a good question. My jokey answer is that oat milk existed because I love oat milk, but I realise that's not what you were really asking. Um... <laughs> My answer would be, what would I wish I had known at 18? That it would be okay and it would work out. That's sort of horrible cliche, but I think I worried too much. I would have worried back then. You know, when when I first left uni, I I didn't need to be so frantic about becoming this amazing professional person. I just needed to take it at my own pace. I would say to 18-year-old me, don't worry, it all happens for a reason. I wouldn't have told them not to go to uni. I think it's really important I did. It's how I got my whole, like, brand and whatever so I would have said just feel things yeah everything will work out in the end and just feel things at the time if you feel you know I feel like it's oh god you know how to say about feeling your feelings like if you're feeling sad really feel it and like understand why and and if you feel happy like enjoy that experience I would say feel the way you feel about things and then follow your gut and and it will all be more than okay apart from coronavirus you know, we probably should have warned our aging ourselves about coronavirus. We probably should have, and how much of a change everything was going to happen. You know, all of those career plans we had. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with the world? But I think believing in yourself is, is and looking after number one is very important. Trust the process. Trust That's what Kanye West would say, but you know, trust the process. Um, I'd say you'd like stand up for yourself a bit more. Um, people will say things to you and don't let them walk all over you um, and think of some good comebacks because I've got them now but I should have been a bit more not snappy but I should have stood my ground a bit more I think when I was 18 and not let people talk to me in a condescending way let's say that's it perfect oh okay so 18 that was like yeah. two and a half years ago <sighs> 18 was a weird year I think that was the year I felt the most unsettled because that was the year I did move to uni and the last couple of months of my of being 18 were really horrible um so I would say stick it out because everything is going to work out pretty okay and you've got it in the bag even though you don't think you have and also you don't need to listen to everybody around you because you can make your own decisions that'd be that'd be what I'd say and I don't think she'd listen but I would I'd try and tell her that I think, I mean, you know, probably like all your other guests have said, it's a quite a hard question. Um, but I think, I think, um, I don't know. I think, I think, um, I think when you're that age and you're sort of starting out and you're trying to figure out what you want to do and, you know, and you're sort of excited about things but scared about other things is, is probably the biggest advice is to be more confident, um, to um take more risks in terms of opportunities and and if an opportunity doesn't present itself don't wait for it go and create it go and make something happen um i'm a great believer in everything happens for a reason and i think sometimes you have to make your own luck and you have to you know then there's sometimes unintended consequences of making something happen actually ends up meaning that you happen to bump into a person or you happen to work with another person that then creates another opportunity. So 
I suppose be confident, um, create opportunities, and don't sit back and wait for someone to come knocking at your door. Mm. Go, go and break the door down. So what do I know now that I wish I'd known at 18? Would it be too obvious to say, get a haircut pre-lockdown? <laughs> um, yeah, 18 was only a year ago for me, so not too much has changed in my life since then. I think it was a period of, not to sound all grown up and profound, but it was certainly a period of personal growth in the last year, that joining the workplace does mature you in a sense. You suddenly have to have these interactions with people incredibly senior and incredibly good at what they do, and you have to be ready for that. But I also wish I'd known that take advantage of being the rookie, take advantage of being young. People don't expect you to know everything when you first start something and you don't have to be perfect. So long as you're trying your hardest to do something correctly, to learn properly, to listen, to understand what people want from you, what people need from you, you do not have to be perfect first time around. And I think that was something I was incredibly stressed out about. I think that was something I was incredibly concerned about when I first joined, about making the right first impression. And first impressions, granted, are important. But yeah, you do not have to be perfect when you first start these things. There's a reason you're young. There's a reason you're learning. And learning is part of the process of becoming better. If you're not screwing up, you're probably not trying hard enough. <laughs> the biggest piece of advice I would give my 18-year-old self, who had just finished her second attempt at year 12 and was really struggling with the fact that at that point most of my friends had already gone off to uni um, or were making the plans in their life is that unlike in school when everyone is on the same path and you're all going from lower school into GCSE level and you know everyone everyone is basically doing the same thing that it's really difficult when you get out into sort of the real the real world per se and everyone starts suddenly going off in all these different directions and you lose track of people and you don't know what's going on. I think the biggest thing that I would tell myself is that everybody does life in a different way. Everybody follows a different path and it doesn't matter how long that path is, how many that path is, how awkward that path is to get to the other side. As long as you're on the path that makes you the happiest and is right for you and is going to have the end destination that you want it really really doesn't matter what other people are doing it doesn't matter how quickly other people are getting to the end of their path it doesn't matter that their path seems shinier and more exciting and a lot more glamorous at the end of the day the only path that you have to focus on is yours and it's okay to take your time and to do things differently and to get where you need to be um and just to stop comparing your path to other people's because they're not comparable everyone's doing different things and I think that would have benefited my 18 year old self a heck of a lot <laughs> oh gosh 18 so I was in college when I was 18 so that was my first year of college um interesting because I feel like that was the moment where because obviously when you're doing a creative media course, you do lots of different things. You know, you're, you're directing music videos, you're filming stuff, you're doing like bits and bobs, you're doing a bit of journalism, you're doing a bit of writing. 
you're making commercials, whatever. So you're doing a bit of everything. And I think when I was 18, that's the moment where I realized I really loved journalism. I was the only one to do the journalism unit in the first year. And I remember my college tutor, uh, he, he was like, if anyone, I remember him specifically saying this and I said this to him recently cause we're still in touch. And, um, he said to me, if anyone can do it, you can do it. And I remember at the time thinking I had so little confidence in myself, you know, I'd gone through school really feeling like I wasn't very academic, that I wasn't, you know, I didn't have something that I was amazing at or excelled at. And, uh, suddenly here it was, this, this was the thing that I was good at. And I realized that when I was 18 and, you know, I remember that, that quote from my, from my college tutor and uh, it just really inspired me and made me think, actually, yeah, if anyone can do it, I can do it. Um, you know, and it's my mum my said it to me the other day. She, she said, you've got into this industry without having any help. You've got into this industry by yourself without having you know, a family member who was already there or knowing someone who was already in the industry or kind of already having those connections and you've got there, you know, I, I didn't do well in my GCSEs. I didn't do well um, in my AS levels, but I, I did amazingly well in my college exams and with my college coursework. And that's when I realized that's what I want to do. And that's what I love. And I think that shows when you find what you love and you, and you enjoy it, you really know that's in that moment, just how much you want to do that as a full-time job. And so if I knew, if I could tell, so, so basically if I could tell myself something when I was 18, so if I was talking to my 18 year old self, I would say, how would I word it? This is, this is a really good question, but almost too good, too good a question. Um, I would say, I feel like I want to be a little bit cliche and say something along the lines of don't give up. But I really do feel that when you're in your teenage years or when you're younger and you're trying to break into the industry, there is so much rejection and there is so much, there are so many hurdles and there are so many moments where you feel you're not going to be where you want to be and you're not going to do what you want to do. And so you end up potentially going down this path of thinking, Oh, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to do it. I'm just, you know, I'm shit. I'm not going to be able to do it. And I feel like, especially when I was 18, I needed that confidence boost, but I also needed to understand that I, I was going to do it. You know, even if I had hurdles put in front of me, even if I had to overcome some quite upsetting moments, you know, losing my brother at 19 and, and kind of going through the issues that I then had with my mental health and, and kind of, you know, dealing with grief at that point. Um, I think there, there are moments that and every journalist will say that they've had that moment where they feel like they want to give up. You know, they feel like maybe this isn't for me. I'm not strong enough. I can't deal with the rejection. I can't deal with the constant kind of feeling like I'm knocking on all these doors and I'm not getting anyone answering me. But I, I truly like speaking to my 18 year old self, I would say, don't give up because you will get there and you will get there without, you know, you basically you're going to do it by yourself you know you're going to push you're going to keep on going you're going to 
you're going to overcome the stuff that's put in front of you and you're going to persevere and i think perseverance is such a important um oh, it's not even a skill but perseverance is something that you really need to have in those early days because one it makes you look good you know and obviously i know that editors probably don't want you to be messaging them every day going hey excuse me can i come do some work experience can i come work for you can i come do this can i come do that um you know they they probably don't have the time for you to be messaging them on a daily um but you know if you message someone on a weekly basis and just say hi you know just wondering can i come and spend a few days with you or um can i come help out on this project or you know even if you're in college or you're just about to start university you know to message an editor or 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 message someone in the local newspaper and just say is there something that i can do is there a project that i can work on is there something that i can help you with um you know perseverance and really pushing and really kind of you know making yourself known to people you know when i was at college i i was part of the college newspaper and you know i i was the editor of the of the community section and then you know as time went on obviously starting my blog and and contacting huffington post and and writing for their community page and doing all this stuff i, I think that was perseverance because i really thought to myself this is what i want to do this is what i'm going to do and regardless of anything else regardless of people telling me that i'm not going to do it or i can't do it or you know i shouldn't do it i'm going to keep on keeping on and i think that's something that i would just say to any young person out there that wants to get into this industry and you know if if i'd known at 18 how you know how many rejections i was going to face or how many kind of moments where i felt as though maybe i should give up it's probably quite overwhelming you'd probably think bloody hell i don't want to get into this industry it's it's too much it's too much for me but i think we don't realize our own strength and really as i say rejection is just an opportunity to learn and to become a better person and i feel like everything that i've been through in the last few years has led me to the journalist that i am today and has made me better at my job and so yeah that's that's what i'd say you know keep on keeping on and um you know and don't don't fear rejection because actually it's it's a big part of becoming who you're going to become in the future and um, okay advice to 18 year old self oh, it's a difficult one i probably i don't think i would change anything about the way that it worked out and the way that it all happened obviously there were times when it felt like the experience that I was going through was the worst thing in the world. And then likewise, it felt like the best thing ever. So I think my advice would be like, just keep going, just keep doing what you're doing. Cause it's really hard to keep going and keep doing things when you're not, you know, you're not hearing back from anybody. You're getting rejected from every single job that you apply for. All of your mates seems to be off having a great time at university. And there were so many times where I just doubted myself and the situation. And you mentioned the whole imposter syndrome. Oh my goodness, I have had that and then some. I still get it most days. So yeah, it probably would just be just keep like keep going, keep doing what you're doing, enjoy every single moment of everything. The best piece of advice, like I said, was always say yes. And I did that, I stuck by that. 
I did things that I loved. I did things that I didn't really enjoy that much. I did things that were a complete waste of money. I did, you know, I did all sorts of stuff, but actually looking back, I wouldn't have changed any of it in my like journey to getting here because I think it's made, made me who I am. It's also, it's also given me like some really good opportunities and experiences to share with other people. And I think the fact that, you know, it was a slightly more unconventional route makes it more interesting sometimes. Um, and if we all, you know, if we all were the same and grew up the same way and had the same education and had the same route into the same industry, then the world would be a very boring place. So just own your niche and your uniqueness and be yourself and just, yeah, just keep going and enjoy it. Gosh so much so i think okay i think my probably my main thing is 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 this it's the important thing of like how individual we all are how we are all completely unique and there is absolutely no point in looking at somebody else and being like oh i wish i was where they are or I wish I had what they have. Like comparison is the thief of joy. Um, and so it's so important to, to focus on you and being the best version of you. Um, and also knowing that we all have very different paths and just, just focusing, I think, on, on, on your path and, and where you're headed. Um, and there's a wonderful thing like about, you know, oh, what is it? It's like, there's a reason why the, um, oh, there's a, something like there's a reason why the rear view mirror is so much smaller than the windscreen. Because if you spend all your time, like looking, don't spend all your time looking back. It's about looking forward through that windscreen and not spending time looking at that tiny little rear view mirror and looking you know, looking back, it's like about constantly looking forward. Um, and I don't know, I think I, I definitely have more gratitude in my life now than I had then. And I find that that is, is such a, a great thing to have. And um, yeah, I'd say I'm definitely, I'm much more I definitely am much more like optimistic these days than I was back then. Um, and just knowing that, you know, being confident in yourself is not that confidence and arrogance are two very different things. And I think when I was 18, I was so scared of being confident because I didn't want to be arrogant. Um, and it's knowing like, and I know now that that's not the same. Um, yeah so it's just having that like confidence in yourself confidence in where you're going um yeah and just knowing that if you have those things like everything and everything will be okay like i know that that everything will always be okay and if it isn't everything will everything will be okay in the end and if it's not okay it's not the end so with it being the series finale, I thought it was only right that I answered the question myself. What do I know now that I wish I'd known at 18? Well, 
Firstly, there are way too many cliches that I could say, and I think my guests have done a really good job at answering this question, especially as I always kept it as a surprise, so it was very much on the spot. I wish that there were times that I could have gone back and held 18-year-old me's hand, and there are also times when I wish I could have kind of just shouted at her, given her a good talking to and tried to knock some kind of sense into her, but I know I never would have listened. I remember being 18 and not really knowing what I wanted to do. I remember looking at everybody else my age and thinking that they all had it figured out. No one does. No one has everything figured out. It's a journey that you go on and it's time to learn and grow and I think I just wish I'd known how to put myself out there a lot more. Uh, every school report was that I should be more confident and... I wish I'd known to be more proactive in putting myself out there. Nothing is going to be served to you on a silver plate. No one's going to come to you to give you opportunities. You've got to go out there. You've got to find them. You've got to chase them. And you've got to look out for yourself because nobody else is looking out for you. You are always going to be there for yourself. I think so much has been sent to try us this year and it's how we've weathered the storm and how we've got through it and something that I wish I'd had at 18 was this podcast this is why I started unconventional I never had something like this when I was 18 I knew nothing about alternative routes and I really hope that this podcast has given you the advice and the information that you needed because I never had something like this and that has been the whole driving force for the podcast there are so many people who don't want to go to university, who want to do alternative routes and that doesn't need to be daunting, it doesn't need to be embarrassing and you certainly don't need to feel like a failure. Maybe that's what I wish I'd known at 18 as well. Just because you don't want to go to uni doesn't mean that you've failed, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you for not wanting to do it, it's just that there are so many routes out there that most people go to university and I hope this podcast has proved that to you through the incredible guests that I've had. I have to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast, but also to my guests for joining me and who have been so honest and who have helped me so much to make this podcast a reality. Thank you so much for listening and joining me on this journey. Although this may be the end of series one of Unconventional, I promise you we will be back a lot sooner than you think. I have done lots of planning. I'm so excited for what's to come. So please subscribe, please follow Apple, Spotify. Give us a rating if you enjoyed the podcast. Give us a rating if you want more. I would love to hear some of the things that you guys would like us to talk about next year and in the coming series. Thank you so much for listening. And I've been Eve Gordon Farley and this has been Unconventional.